When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Betches Media presents. It's one person coming in from China. It's going to disappear. One day it's like a miracle. It will. We're going to all be great. We're going to be so good. This is a pandemic. The Betches Sup Podcast. No, I don't take responsibility at all. Hello and welcome to the SUP Daily CoronaCast. I'm Elise Morales. And I'm Sammy Fishbein. And the CoronaCast is your daily rundown of all the latest news on COVID-19, how we're getting through it, and just how close we are to ending this crisis. Let's get into it. Hi, Sammy. Hi, Elise. How are you doing? Uh, well, you know, um, I'm, I've been kind of waiting for you to say that you noticed that we hung up our hats on the wall. They look very beautiful. Wow. <laughs> when did you do that? I did this over the weekend. I had sort of like, I entered into whatever phase of quarantine happens where I like cleaned my entire hall closet, decluttered a bunch of stuff, Marie Kondoed all over the place. I have entered that phase as well. Some magical stuff actually took place in the apartment. And one of the things was that we hung up. My fiance has a large number of hats that are like, just from places we've traveled that he never wears. Just so, for aesthetics. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And we want to keep the hats, but they right. were taking up a lot of space. It feels good when you like discover a hack that's not just like, that saves you space and also looks good. Yeah, and we were we were worried that it would come, that it would look very college, but um, as you can see. and It's stunning. <laughs> Yeah, podcast, the very visual medium of podcasts. Uh, for everyone who's listening, just know that it looks incredible. The hats look great. We got a uh, self-watering plant this morning. So Ooh. I'm staring at that That's right now. very fun. It I've is. Been, I've been trying to figure out what I'm going to do for my 30th birthday, which will be in quarantine on May 15th. And I think Danny and I are going to plant a little planter out front. Oh, that's nice. That's exciting. Having yeah. had a quarantine birthday, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Just whatever. We're going to plant. But in good news, I did put a hold on a wedding date for Yay! later this year. So for everyone who thinks I'm such a pessimist because I don't think the pandemic's going to end, I did at least like hold the date just that's, to see. Uh, November 1st. We'll Danny see. and I... Ah, exciting. Danny and I resumed wedding planning this week as well. We had like kind of put a hold on everything and now we have resumed our contacts with our vendors. And our yeah. I mean, I sort of was just like, you know, maybe it can happen. And if it can't happen, I built it into the contract so that I can push it back till December 31st of the following year. So 
we'll see. Yeah. Hopefully it's it like can you already postponed it once. Like, but I will tell, I will tell the audience that the venue is quite in brand for the SUP. And I hope that you'll see why this year, not next. I'm excited. I'm excited. Offline, I will ask you what it is. I will tell you. <laughs> you don't have I to announce you. your wedding venue and yeah. date on the podcast. Yeah. Not on this one. Like we, we have a few podcasts where these announcements could be made. So <laughs> <laughs> you'll see. You'll see. Okay. So today's top headlines. Today is Tuesday, April 28th. And as of this morning, more than 56,000 people have died as a result of coronavirus in America. Um, we are almost at 100,000 cases possible that by the time this comes out, we will have actually hit the number. Um, But researchers are now looking into why America's overall death rate increased dramatically in March and April, well beyond the increases that are from COVID deaths. Um, This would suggest that a number of people who died in March and April were were deaths due to COVID, but that were never tested. Um, I know a lot of a lot of bodies were also cremated before they could even be like posthumously tested. So we'll never necessarily get that full number. Um, But using CDC data, the Yale School of Public Health found that 15,000 excess deaths occurred from March 1st to April 4th. Um, During that time period, states only recorded 8,000 deaths from COVID-19. But the fact that we were in lockdown and not as many people were out dying in activity, you know, accidents, like a, you know, car accidents or something like that, um, or other like activity related incidents would mean that the non COVID death rate probably should have gone down. Um, but the research team isn't able to show that these were definitely COVID deaths, but, um, they believe they were based on an increase in doctor visits for the flu or for flu symptoms, um, leading up to the outbreak. They suspect a lot of people who died of pneumonia and other respiratory symptoms were actually COVID deaths. Um, so New York is starting to confirm these into their confirmed death toll. Um, but because COVID is so new and they don't have necessarily like full understanding of what the, um, you know, symptoms are and how they presented every single patient, um, sometimes they present as strokes, kidney failure, and heart damage. So they might not, you know, necessarily be able to get an accurate count because of, of those, you know, sort of unknowns. Yeah. And I um, wonder like yeah. if it's, a, if you're dealing with a person who had pre-existing health problems that were aggravated by COVID, it could even be that much harder to realize. Cause it's like, Oh, well, you know, he had a heart problem and he died from that. And it's like, well, actually it was a heart problem that was advocate aggravated because they got COVID. Right. So we're never really going to have an accurate number, but I imagine that there will be some sort of like estimate that they eventually come out with when this is all done. Yeah. And well, the CDC also put out like even more potential symptoms today, which is also crazy because it just seems like what else do they, what did they add? So it was stuff that I thought was already part of the symptoms, but I guess not officially. So I, they officially put new loss of taste and smell on the symptoms. Wasn't that always, I guess it wasn't like the main thing. I guess it wasn't officially on there. And then chills shaking with chills, which was crazy to me because when I was sick in late February, which is what I was convinced was COVID-19, I, Danny reminded me that when we were walking back from a show, when I started to really feel sick, that I was shaking and I was like, I'm really cold. And I was like, I have like, my teeth were chattering. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You definitely, I mean, I got an email from CityMD that you can get an antibody test. Mm-hmm. I don't want to like encourage you to like run out. Cause like, I'm definitely going to get one. But I, some- 
point. Like if I could, like you're probably the person I know who I'm most confident had it that that was like not diagnosed pre like prior to when we thought it was here. Yes. I had tried in the initial like first wave of antibody tests. I had like contacted places, but I think I like didn't qualify at that time, but maybe now I do. So I have to like kind of go back and like re call city MD. Yeah. I think my doctor also sent out an email that was like, we're doing antibody tests now. So I'm going to definitely try to get one and see. And then, but it is good news that we're getting these emails. You know what's going to be testing. Is that I get it. I get the test and they're like, you did not have COVID-19. And then I have to come back on the pod and be like, yeah. Rem- <laughs> okay, but <laughs> I've been then- talking about this for weeks. I diagnosed myself. <laughs> but here's the thing. Like, I've heard that the antibody tests are not even like necessarily accurate, like from multiple sources. So if you, if they give you a test and like they say you don't have it, like it seems like you had literally the exact description of what it is. That is true. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click Gift Mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. All right, let's get into the next uh, piece of news of the day, uh, which is that New York State, which is where we are both coming coming to you all from, has been the first state to cancel its presidential primary 
due to the pandemic. The primary was originally way back supposed to be today. Then they postponed it to June. Now the State Board of Elections says that the primary vote would just be a dangerous, quote-unquote, beauty contest. Now that Bernie Sanders is out of the race, he's endorsed Joe Biden, Biden is a presumptive nominee, etc. But this was immediately met with a bunch of backlash from the Sanders from Sanders supporters and then some from like the Sanders campaign itself. Sanders campaign advisor Jeff Weaver called the decision an outrage and a blow to democracy that should be overturned by the DNC. Uh, And this is basically the reason they feel this way is because, well, one, it's like just the idea of canceling an election sounds bad. Good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then um, it would also impact how delegates are are awarded. And um, the DNC does have to approve this, which it has not done at this point but i guess like the it's interesting i've been watching miss america have you been watching this wait yes okay so it's like in the shirley chisholm episode her whole thing is that she's trying to hold on to delegates until the convention so that she can influence the party platform so i think that's part of what's going on in here even though bernie sanders is out of the race and has endorsed joe biden and is supporting joe biden for president so you think he wants to hold on to delegates? I think he wants to hold on to some or do something with delegates. But then why wouldn't he want to try to get more? Because then maybe he can get some stuff on the party platform or have he gives him like leverage right. of some kind. See, I feel like I sound extremely dumb saying this, but I that just it, it seems like that's what is going into it. But it also seems like the outrage is a lot more just like a a lot around just like the symbolic nature of not allowing New York to cast a vote in the primary. That's how I feel about it. It's like, okay, I understand why like for a safety, from a safety standpoint and like a pointlessness standpoint, like not having the primary makes sense. But the, it doesn't come across as like a hypocritical when we're all like everyone should be voting and B like New York could just push the primary like and, figure out a way to do it mail-in like it seems like that is a manageable thing and finally like it just seems like so Iowa we talk about them for like eight fucking months and New York doesn't even get to like have get to vote at all like we talk about Iowa so inconsequential all these early states that shape like all their all the candidates platforms what they will and won't say like their strategies yet there's like five people in those states and we provide new york the state of new the states of new york and california provide like a massive amount of the american american economy and yet we have literally no say exactly the democratic party like i feel like the democratic party should care about what the state of new york has to say Right. about the nominee. I mean, also, I would have liked to have voted. What also doesn't make sense to me is that there are other elections that still happen. Primaries that are still going to happen on that day. So it's really just a matter of like not including that thing on ballots that are going to go out. So to me, I'm just like, let me bubble in what I want to bubble in. Right. Let I know. Me fill in the bubble. Like, give me the opportunity to at least fill in the bubble. Right. It feels just like not right. 
Yeah, I mean, it really just made me feel more and more that it just makes no sense to me why all the primaries aren't on the same day. Yeah, I mean, I've heard arguments for why they're not because, like, you you do want to, like, watch candidates over a long period of time and see, like, kind of how they fare in a, like, longer-term campaign. But I don't see how it is democratic whatsoever. Yeah, it just to, feels... To, to have it extended so long. Yeah, it feels like maybe at least there's a happy medium of, like, two or three waves of elections maybe, like, regionally done. But it just seems so crazy to me that Iowa was number one so long ago that, like, we the primary just feels like it was this very drawn-out crazy thing. And, and now Pete we don't won. Get, yeah, Pete won Iowa. Like, what? <laughs> it doesn't even – it didn't even matter that Pete won Iowa. It didn't matter. Yeah. It didn't matter. Didn't matter. Forgot who Pete Buttigieg was. Sorry. Yeah. I was like, Pete who? Yeah. And it's just after <laughs> all that, where? it's just after all that, it's just Biden, even though Warren does still loom largest in my head. I will say that. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing, you just do wonder like how having such a long and drawn out process affects the, who the nominee is, what certain things it's just the whole thing just is really deflating especially knowing so many people who were like active so many new yorkers who were active in the election and like took part and donated to candidates and all of this stuff and it's like we don't even get to symbolically vote in it yeah i mean i have a feeling or a hope maybe it's not a feeling at some point i do feel like we are like nearing some sort of like massive shift that could be very positive or not, but, you know, um, could be. Yeah. And I think that, like, one of the biggest opportunities we have is to sort of, like, reform democracy to be more democratic, um, yeah. which I think could involve something like figuring out a way to get us to vote or votes to count at all. Yeah. Um, and I think that this is, like, one of those things that needs to be, like, really examined. Like, the Iowa caucuses, I don't, Really, we're going to do that like again? I think I think we're not. Yeah, we're. Oh, if that happens again, I'm like we're through the looking glass because like, yeah, that was such a shit show that it's like, like yeah, I know. I was has to go into timeout for that. I think that how extreme things have gotten, like we are, like whether or not like this has become normal to us, like we've been stuck in our homes for two months so like things are fucked like yeah at some point we're gonna have to have a turnaround and i think that that reforming the way we vote is gonna have to be a part of it yeah i mean it's it, it goes back to like this pandemic has shown so many flaws in our system whether it be like our healthcare system whether it be our economic system and now it's also showing a flaw in our voting system that we like don't have this the man we're not represented yeah exactly we're not like really represented like the people who are actually in charge represent very small fraction of of the people and i mean you can see this from everything from the way they you know the way they handle abortion rights gun rights the way they're handling this pandemic and the it way they're chosen doesn't next story. make sense. The way they're chosen, like we saw it, we, we've seen it a million times with the electoral college. But like, the more elections that happen, the way I'm, you see, like it's a problem in the primary process. It's a problem in general elections. It's a problem in local elections. Like what we saw happen in Wisconsin 
was insane. Like it's all the way down the line. Our elections are held in a way that does not make logical sense. <laughs> no. And I think you said this once. You were like, if there were like a UN monitor, like they would come and give us a bad grade. Yeah. Yeah. They would. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Just going back to how like we're not really represented by our leadership. This is shown in the fact that most Americans support continuing the stay, stay at home order, orders. I've heard polls that have said up to eighty percent, but also you know right around like sixty or seventy. Yes. Um, however, despite this, we have our favorite Attorney General Bill Barr, who's trying to essentially overturn the state stay at home orders. Um, he warned in a memo to federal prosecutors that while stay at home orders are necessary, the Justice Department will intervene if he thinks the policies go too far. He told prosecutors to be on watch for overbearing coronavirus measures. He's also appointed people to oversee and coordinate our efforts to monitor state and local policies and if necessary, take action to correct them. So it seems like he's just running his own little stay at home order Gestapo. Which is also crazy because wasn't it just last week that Trump was like, I'm not going to interfere with, I'm going to leave it up to the governor. So it's like, on the one hand, he's doing all of these press conferences being like, I'm leaving it up to the governors. It's up to them. They're doing it. But then also on the back end, his fucking attorney general is going to go around and undo the orders. So it makes, there's no logic behind the policy that's in place. I mean, I don't think it's even like a policy. He just says something to if anything, to divert from what's really going on. Yes. Like when he said there would be testing centers in Walmart parking lots, and that was just essentially a Walmart ad. Yes. So this all comes as a group of conservative activists and lawmakers formed a task force called the Save Our Country Task Force, which will encourage businesses to open as quickly as possible. Um, Trump also told governors to seriously consider and maybe get going on opening schools yesterday. Um Although three states, as well as Washington, D.C., have ordered or recommended that schools don't reopen this academic year. On the flip side, Montana's governor has said schools can open as early as May 7th if they choose. This is that's also so crazy because a lot of the research shows that kids are like really good vectors of the coronavirus and that they don't usually like 
get it, but they pass it to adults. So yeah. by asking all of these teachers to come back to school, they literally are going asking them to like put themselves at risk of getting the virus. And how yeah. many teachers are like older or have a pre-existing condition that they can't fucking get coronavirus or they live at home with someone who has a pre-existing condition or they're a caretaker to somebody else like it's really putting the teachers at risk i mean no one has really ever accused our country of taking great care of teachers so it kind of tracks um but yeah i mean it makes no sense they just want the moms or not even the moms the parents to be able to go to work and they need the kids to go to school not that school school schedules and work schedules are even like synced up in any way, but we're not talking about the lack of childcare in this country right now. So yeah, I mean that's the thing about tr- th- this push to try to force people to open these businesses is what it really is is a push to try to force a certain type of worker, usually lower paid, like hourly gig workers trying to force them to not have an excuse to not go to work anymore and to force them off of the unemployment that has been expanded and to force them back into whatever, like their server position or their cashier job, whatever it is. Like it's gonna, I've been reading a lot of articles about how once these, the, the by opening up, it's basically going to force like a two-tiered system where people who are lucky enough to have jobs where their office doesn't have to open and they can stay at home, stay at home. And a bunch of people who didn't have, who might not even have health insurance and stuff are going to have to put themselves out for the virus because technically their business is open. Right. And it's, it's a lot of these businesses aren't even open to such like great demand. Like they're opening just to be, just because the Save America Task Force wants them to be open because they think that saving America is the same thing as saving the American economy, but they're not. Yeah, like, first of all, it's a a restaurant opening to 25% capacity, which my sister lives in Texas, and she was saying that, like, they're going to do that soon. Like, restaurants will be at 25%. That does not save the u.s economy in any way <laughs> like, it makes it will make more restaurants go out of business i feel like yeah. you said this on every podcast but like every time you force a business to operate where there's no demand how is that business not going to get worse whereas if they could just be closed you know have yeah. zero expenses furlough their workers if they have to they what these people want well number one these a lot of these protests are coming from like large conservative organizations and organizers. We will do a deep dive into that, actually. Yeah, Yeah, that's a whole other aspect of this. But what these people at the top who are fueling these protests actually want is they want to end the the phase of this where we are providing help to people. Like right now, Congress is even as inadequate as some of it has been. They're putting out massive amounts of money to help people. And what these activists conservative activists want is for that part to stop yeah because they don't mad about yeah they want they want the part where the people who are suffering help them make more money yeah it's really quite simple like it's just selfishness and greed and like uh, like anyone who like you would think that people who are smart enough to make millions and billions of dollars in some cases would be smart enough to realize that the way you solve a a recession or depression due to a public health crisis is to fix the public health crisis rather than to like try to backdoor it through like in like 
money that you printed. Like yeah. it's just, it just it doesn't work. But I also think that like when you get that powerful and you're like a gazillionaire, whatever, you literally believe that you're invincible. Like those people have a complex. And they I want to become a billionaire like, to prove that it you don't have to have a complex. Yeah, like you, they. Uh, I feel like people like that are like, no, I'm too rich to get coronavirus, and they're wrong. I mean, there are some ways that they're right, and that they could probably like get a ventilator and all of this stuff. But, but you could die with a ventilator. Some people get a ventilator and they never come off. Yeah, I mean, it's like that. I don't, I don't subscribe to the the virus is the great equalizer language but there is one way in that anyone can get coronavirus and die yeah it's definitely not an equalizer but like there is something about it that does overlook class and racial there's, strata yeah there is a human element to the virus right. <laughs> in right. that it kills humans <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> but this actually brings us to our next little piece of news which is quite interesting Doctors are trying to figure out why women are better at beating the coronavirus than men. Uh, so men have proven to be more likely than women to die of coronavirus. Women are both less likely to get a serious case of the virus and less likely to die from the symptoms. So this has doctors starting to ask if estrogen is actually protecting us from the virus. It's about time. Which our estrogen did something but, yeah. to help us other than like <laughs> put us in a mood. <laughs> exactly. I'm like so many years of adult acne, but in the end, <laughs> she did me a solid. <laughs> when I'm really counted. <laughs> so um, estrogen plays a lot of roles in our body, as we've noted, uh, but it also plays a role in our immune response, and it can actually help us clear viral infections faster and repair damage done by illness. And here's an interesting tidbit. Uh, it is possible women are better at fighting off the second big wave of coronavirus symptoms that seem to be what lands people in the hospital. So it's like a lot of the people who end up in the hospital basically like they'd get better and then get hit again with symptoms. And I guess yeah, I've read that are less likely to have that happen. And also pregnant women who are usually immunocompromised, but have high levels of estrogen and progesterone have even milder cases of the disease. So pregnant women are actually like better at fighting it off. Well, you know what's interesting? One of one of Avi's friends got coronavirus. Mm -hmm. His wife was pregnant. She didn't get coronavirus, even though they were in the same house. Like, interesting. Which is like, which I thought was like crazy. I was like, how? Right. And normally you would be like negative or something, but maybe it's because she was very pregnant at the time. And maybe normally you would be like really scared. I mean, I imagine if I was pregnant during this time and I read some articles about people who are pregnant during this time being really, really scared. And obviously, I think pregnant women should still take precautions against getting the coronavirus. But yeah. that is uh, it really interesting news. So last week, doctors on Long Island uh, started treating COVID-19 patients with estrogen patches. So this is actually now being tested. And then progesterone, uh, which is like the other 
hormone. <laughs> That's what I remember yeah, from sex ed. <laughs> so, uh, it has anti-inflammatory properties. So they think that that could possibly prevent overreactions in the immune system, which is crazy. So now they're going to soon begin trials treating men with the virus with progesterone shots. Uh, <laughs> That's exciting. <laughs> and then our notes here say that side effects of the hormone treatment include sore breasts. Okay. Well, I get that once a month. So I know. You'll exactly. Live. That's actually my number one symptom of getting my period. So. Yeah. <laughs> you guys will be fine is what we're saying. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll take it over coronavirus. But it does really seem like there is quite a significant difference. And I don't mean that statistically, though it may be statistically significant. But Anecdotal reports suggest from various hospitals suggest that men make up as much as 75% of, of ICU patients and those on ventilators, which is like, yeah, really a lot more That's, than 50, 50. That is crazy. I mean, yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, hell they're yeah, so they, <laughs> saved us. There's also a question because older women seem to be outliving their male peers with the virus because, but which is, which is odd because older women don't have nearly as much estrogen as younger women do. However, there are a lot of reasons beyond hormones why women might be better at surviving the virus. Um, women tend to be healthier in terms of like their habits. Like we smoke and drink less. We wash our hands more. Um, we're also more likely to go to the doctor because women are hypochondriacs. Mm. No, totally joking. However, um, like with most things, when it comes to gender disparity, there is an even further racial disparity. Um, we've been seeing that, you know, minorities have been dying of the coronavirus at much higher weight, higher rates than Caucasian people. Um, for example, there was a woman in Detroit named Deborah Gatewood who died of coronavirus after her daughter said she had tried four times to get tested at a hospital where she had worked for 30 years. She was black. She had worked at this hospital. So it's not like she was like, they knew her and she couldn't yeah. get a test after asking four times. And it's, you know, I've, I've heard a few stories like this where like people can't get tested or they tell them that it's negative or something like that. And then it ends up leading to like severe complications because they weren't treated earlier. Yeah. And I know that this, um, in the case of Deborah Gatewood, she was also told like, you probably have it, but like your symptoms are too mild. So it doesn't matter. Go away, which goes in, which plays into again, longstanding issues with one women being believed by doctors and number two black women being believed by doctors which there's a very very long history of really <laughs> upsetting yeah. stuff there as well i mean so, the mortality rate for for black women in childbirth is significantly higher than white women this is like a clear systemic issue yes yes 100 percent. and the medical communities history of how they have treated black women and used them is also a very dark, <laughs> a very dark place. To do so, a bonus episode. Yeah. Is so, it because most doctors are white men, do you think? Are they at this point? They must still be. At this point, I mean, who knows? I guess they're probably, I imagine there's a lot of change there, but I know yeah. like. Back in the day they were. I know. And particularly in the history of like gynecology and like the dude who invented like the speculum, who was a monster in his own right, did a lot. Yeah, of you got to be a little bit sick to come up with that idea. He did a lot of really messed up stuff and like experiments on people. So you need to send me some articles, please. Not not a cool guy. Uh, okay. But you know what? We're going to we're going to move away from all of that. <laughs> 
<laughs> We're going to go in a completely different direction I now. I love knowing the topic you're about to drop <laughs> because no one's ready for it. No one's ready. We're going to end the podcast by talking about the discovery of aliens. <laughs> Bet you guys weren't expecting that. No. uh, In the middle of the pandemic, kind of buried under all of the news about coronavirus. C-plot, if you will. Exactly. So it's like the A-plot of this time is the pandemic. pandemic. The B-plot is Kim Jong-un is maybe dead. We don't know. Unclear. And the C-plot is that the the Pentagon released three videos of unidentified aerial phenomena yesterday. These videos were taken by Navy pilots in 2004. Um, And they actually, these videos had actually already come to light and been circulating in the public, but the Pentagon like officially acknowledged them this week. But they had originally begun circulating because of the to the Stars Academy of Arts and Sciences, which was created by Blink-182 guitarist Tom DeLonge to find aliens. You know, once you're a rock star, it might be kind of hard to find that high again. So I understand why one might, you know, pursue, pursue other life elsewhere. Yes, and as a person who's very familiar with Blink-182's entire discography, Tom has been speaking on this issue since the early 90s. Uh, On Enema of the State, there is a song called Aliens Exist. Is there? There is. Care to sing us? Care to sing a bar? Uh, Yeah. Hey, Mom, there's something in the back room. (laughs) (laughs) Hope it's not the creatures from above. I love doing a Tom DeLonge impression. You're pretty good. These stories as if my dreams are boring. They all know conspiracies are dumb. <laughs> You're good. Oh my gosh. Tom DeLonge is well, one of my voice actress. Tom DeLonge is one of my characters that I do. So I love just so happens to be. I love on the it. day that we have this news story break. You're on the podcast. Exactly. You're also a professional Tom DeLong impersonator. Impersonator. <laughs> you know what Tom wow. DeLonge probably says to aliens? What? Where are you? <laughs> Did you just write that joke? I've been planning to say it for the podcast. <laughs> okay, fine, fine. It counts. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if the audience appreciates fully what they're getting right now. <laughs> if they if they know Blink-182, then they do. And if not, they're like, what is this? You but should do that more. That was amazing. I Maybe love- when you and Brian go on Instagram Live tomorrow night, you could regale the audience with more impersonations i you know what there is a distinct impression especially since brian and i will be making cocktails that i will do the tom delange impression again that is perfect question Mm -hmm. did you see this video i watched the video and it's i i can't explain it i mean they're moving very quickly they're moving very quickly and the navy pilot who took the video, like, says to this day that he's like, I don't know what that was. I've never seen anything that moved that way. Right. But, like, what does that mean? It means that perhaps it was an interdimensional being. Why do aliens need to go so fast? I always envision them as more floating rather than, like, moving at the speed of light. I think that it's both the fat, the wet, the like quickness 
that the object moves and the way that it moves is not one that makes sense like for flying machines that we have <laughs> that we know right. of. So I think it's part it's partially the speed and it's also like the quality of the movement that is strange. Interesting. I hate having things unanswered. I know. But you and know what all- I love, Elise? Mm-hmm. Oh no, you you go because I, well, I, don't I was think- just gonna say it's also like we just don't have time for aliens right now. I'm sorry, and I feel bad for them, but they're gonna have to come by at a different time if they want our attention. I was gonna say like it's just not now, guys. Like you need to come when we're come during a progressive administration when we're a little bit more chill. Yeah. You know, Hillary Clinton was like is like down with aliens. What do you mean? Hillary Clinton has said that she's like. Yeah, they're probably She's met them? I don't know if she's saying she's met them. I don't want to, like, I mean, there are people in who think she's a lizard and everyone's a lizard, so maybe that's why she is more amenable to that idea. But uh, I know that she is, like, I remember this during the campaign that she was like, yeah, there are probably aliens. I mean, I'm amenable to the idea. How self-centered is it that you think you're, like, the only, in the whole universe, you think... This planet and, yeah. and us humans and our species, when there's when even just looking on this earth, there's millions of other species of like insects and bacteria and like so many things. You think we're the only like conscious beings in the whole galaxy, like not even galaxy, universe. Well, you know what, Sammy? There I think there's a place for you at the To the Stars Academy of <laughs> <laughs> If you, you want to get involved, you know you're right. You're right. Maybe I should take. Maybe I should take my thoughts elsewhere. Yeah, like like Sammy, there is a group for you to join. <laughs> I mean, I'm not like. See, here's the thing. I don't like really think about it that much. Like, I don't really care. Frankly, there's other answers I would like. First, like who killed John Bonet? How did JFK really die? Um, I have so many yeah. more questions. So many earth. There are so many earthbound mysteries that I can't start yeah. getting into mysteries I, of the great beyond. Ex- exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly my thoughts on it. It's just, there are other things I want to know. Yeah. Other things but I want to know. Before we go, I want to share one other very exciting piece of good news. And that is that the Betches Sup is officially a Webby honoree for social presence for our social presence in the lifestyle <laughs> category, which is a really big deal because it means that we were like that we weren't nominate we weren't nominated as like nominees to like win the number one spot. But they also pick like five honorees and we were one of the five honorees, which is That's very awesome. exciting. Yay. So congratulations to all of us. <laughs> but really you you guys, because Elise writes a newsletter every day and makes amazing content for the socials. Amanda the same brian truly a dream team yeah i mean amanda runs all like a ship like a ufo my hat's off to amanda always (laughs) truly truly so i'm very proud of of team sup and you lead us you are a fearless leader (laughs) thank you thank you that's how we're gonna get off the ship together um, and if you guys want, you can join Brian and I on Instagram live tomorrow. I will be joining you. You're all, yeah. You're I love all- a live. And we're going to make cocktails and we're going to chat. Um, yeah, we're going to make cocktails based off presidential cocktails. So it's going to be really fun. That is a dream. Yeah. Okay. 
And with that, until the end of COVID-19, I'm Sammy Fishbein. I'm Elise Morales. And this has been the Betches Sup Coronacast. The Betches Sup Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. The Sup is created by Sammy Fishbein. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to sup at Betches.com. Betches.